I mean, when you think about it, what, 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 do, you, what do you want to be filled with more than the Holy Spirit? You know? The heart is deceitfully wicked. And I know for myself, speaking personally, left to my own devices, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. You know, um, just talking earlier in prayer and, you know, I had one of those one of those evenings where I was like, I had to humble myself, <laughs> had to humble myself. I, you know, took something the wrong way and, you know, had to go back and think about it and, you know, had to go humble myself before my wife and ask for forgiveness. You know, good thing is she forgave me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard it's a hard thing when 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 somebody doesn't want to forgive, but you still Seek forgiveness anyway, so you can be uh, freed from it. You don't have to deal with the, uh, you know, all the all the baggage that comes with that. And today, this morning, I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what it is you've gone through this week or the last several weeks, and maybe everything's been a blast, and and you're on cloud nine, and you know things couldn't get better aside from you going to heaven. Uh, maybe maybe things have been rough. Maybe things have been tough. You know. I'm not that old, but I was telling I was telling Daniel and Mark, I said, man, I've been dealing with back issues. I've, I've had back issues for the last 20 years, and every so often I have you know, this nagging back issue flares up, and it flared up on Monday, and then I, you know, kind of got better, and then I ended up using a heating pad and left the heating pad on too long and burned a hole in my skin. So I'm dealing with an open flesh wound of, of my own doing because I'm, you know, my wife's like, you always go extreme. I'm like, yeah, because I don't want to feel his back pain no more. And I was, and it's, it's a kind of you know pain or spasm where it's like you're not even doing nothing. All of a sudden you feel it and you know, oh man, I'm messed up. <laughs> I was sitting down and literally I must have you know, and I, I I'm fairly healthy. I try to exercise, you know, uh, whatever, quite a bit, and I like move my abdomen a certain way. All of a sudden I felt it again this morning. So I'm hobbling around and this and that. But you know, like I said, I don't know what your circumstance is this morning. I don't, I don't know where you're at, but I want to encourage you. Despite your circumstances, remember your inheritance and the promises that are yours in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. You see, God promises you and I strength. You can read about that in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 and 16. talks about the strength that's given to us. So, So you're promised that as a believer in Christ. A supernatural strength that you and I can harness and possess. God promises to give you rest. That's in Matthew chapter 11. How many, how many of us need rest? I know I need rest. I'm like, man, Lord, I can't. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> you got to show up, Lord. You know, I, I need rest, you know, just, just dealing with the everyday things of life, trying to, you know, train up my children and, you know, just dealing with the everyday things of life. God promises to take care of all your needs. How many of us, of us have needs this morning? We all got needs of, of various kinds. The Lord promises to take care of all your needs. It's found in Philippians chapter 4. God promises to answer your prayers. Your prayers that are in alignment with His will. He's going to answer them. Maybe not in the time you and I would want or think, but He's going to answer them. That's in Matthew chapter 7 verse 7. God promises to work out everything for your good. We've heard that, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 28. But it's so true. Even the, 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 the things that we despise in life, He's going to work all things out for your good, for those of us who are called in Christ Jesus' name. God promises to be with you. I love that. Joshua 1.9, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
God promises to protect you. He's your provision. He's your hand of healing. He keeps He keeps His hedge around you. That's in Psalm chapter nine, verse or ninety-one. Uh, Psalm chapter ninety-one, verse two. God promises to free us from sin. If you've given your your life over to Jesus, and He is the Savior and the Lord of your life, you are free from the curse of sin. You are free from the bondage of sin. It cannot drown you. You live above it. So this morning, wherever you find yourself in life, remind yourself of who you are and what you have in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is something as believers, I truly believe we have to remind ourselves daily throughout the day. Because so often we, 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 we walk being led by our subconscious, meaning, you know, the Bible talks about take every thought captive and, 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 and I'm paraphrasing and force it, make it obedient to the authority of Christ Jesus. That means we can't just be on autopilot because thoughts are constantly coming in. And, 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 and if it's not honoring God, it's something that's going to try to deter us <clears throat> or trying to distract us or trying to you know, you know, deflate us and, and make us feel you know, not worthy of the call on our lives. But we have to remind ourselves of the promises that we have in Christ Jesus. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. This morning we'll be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're going through verses 12 through 17. I've entitled this message, The Vanity of Living Wisely. So uh, if you can, when you get there, whether you're on your phone or your old school Bible, please uh, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Stand for the reading of God's word. I'll go ahead and read this passage. I'll pray and then we'll get into our text this morning. This one's a doozy. I love it. Once again, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse 12, we'll go down to 17. And it says, speaking of Solomon, so I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what, he ha- only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly as there is more gain in light than in darkness. Verse 14, the wise person has his eyes on uh, his head, has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. Verse 16. For the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten, how the wise dies just like the fool. Verse 17. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. It really isn't that depressing when we understand the the context, so let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for this sober reminder that the reality is whatever we seek after, if you're not at the center of it, if our heart's desire isn't to just truly rest in you and have fellowship in you, it is absolutely worthless and it's meaningless and there's nothing there. But the opposite is true. If we seek you with our whole hearts, (laughs) 
We're going to find you and we're going to have purpose and we're going to have meaning and life is going to be fulfilling because we're being fulfilled in you. And we're able to walk these days of our lives and sharing the truth of the gospel and sharing the truth of where we actually find meaning and purpose and identity. And you'll bless everything that our hands touch. Lord, please help us now anoint us with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we're able to understand this text. So we're able to dissect it in in a rightful manner and, and apply it to our lives. May we be encouraged. I pray that this passage wouldn't discourage people. I pray that you would give us the lens to see truly what you mean in it so that we can grow from it and then we can have the right perspective and value the right things in life. Father, I thank you for all of what you do how you direct our paths, how you, how you speak to us in such a way. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, so last week we started out this chapter and uh, we, we transitioned from Solomon seeking out meaning and knowledge and, and, and wisdom, right? That was what he was first seeking after. He's like, okay, I'm going to amass this knowledge, I'm going to amass this wisdom, and I'm going to find purpose in it. And then uh, he went to seeking out purpose in, in all kind of pleasure and in many different forms, right? It was a broad spectrum of, of what he sought pleasure in and also in material possessions and accomplishments. And, and he came to the same outcome. <laughs> he said it was, it, it was like chasing after the wind. And, and we all know that that's something that's impossible. We, we don't know which way. You know, if you've ever been to a, a ball game in San Francisco, Old School Candlestick Park or Oracle Park now, you know how, I mean, the wind, it, it's just even they try, to, they try to show how the wind's going, right? <laughs> and it's crazy. The wind's going, you see in all these green arrows going in all these different directions. I mean, they, you know, they have some idea, but nobody knows. And they're chasing after the wind. It's a futile exercise. Everything done under the sun is like chasing after the wind without Jesus Christ sitting on the throne of your heart. Without Jesus Christ being at the center of who you are. And you and I purposely seeking after him, asking him to draw us closer to him. Aside from that, everything we do is going to be chasing after the wind. That's what the Word of God says. Now Solomon moves to consider wisdom, madness, and folly. This was extremely difficult for him because he came to the conclusion whether a person was wise or foolish, the same event happens to all. He's like, he's like I just don't, this is, this is a hard pill for me to swallow. A wise person, a foolish person, they both die. You see, the deeper and deeper we get into the book of Ecclesiastes, the more clear it's going to become that, again, I alluded to this earlier a minute ago, that we are created for fellowship with Father God through Jesus Christ. It's going to become evident. That, this, that, that's the sole purpose. That's the, that's the crux of what our life is, is based around. You see, a genuine relationship with God is the only thing that will give you and I true meaning and purpose. Even good deeds, even good deeds done with the idea of them actually fulfilling us. Like, right, I'm going to do this good deed, uh, you know, and I want it to fulfill me. Uh, Regina, I invited her to, to service, a homeless lady that, you know, just hangs out right there, bought her some food and said, hey, come through, man, 1030, come sit. We got a seat for you. 
Unfortunately, she didn't come. But, you know, if, I, if I'm looking for that good deed, oh, I, 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 I bought her a hamburger and bought her an apple and gave her a, a water. If I'm looking for that to fulfill me, I'm going to be I'm going to be left empty because that, that, that doesn't fulfill me. That, 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 that's a that's a that's a reflection of, of, of a changed heart. But that doesn't fulfill me. You see, the comfort, the rest and the fellowship that we find in God. Is the only thing that will ever satisfy a thirsty soul. That's it. That's it. That's the only thing. We have several main points this morning. The first one is this. Wisdom in and of itself is as fleeting as madness and folly. Solomon already talked about it, but we'll we'll, we'll kind of look a little bit more in depth about it. Solomon, now he did say that wisdom does exceed or excels folly as light excels or exceeds darkness. So, Living wisely is vastly superior than living foolishly, right? We're, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to understand that. We would all agree, right? To live wise is better than to live as a fool. Wisdom is, uh, making, wisdom is to making life choices as light is to finding a path to navigate, right? In the darkness, you can't see anything. You need the light to be able to see. Just as light is greater than darkness... So we're able to walk and work. Wisdom is greater than folly because the wise man can now see more with the eyes of understanding. The eye, that's what we talk about, the eyes of our heart. Lord, help open up the eyes of my heart. Help me understand who you are. Help me to see you for who you are. Remember Psalm 119.105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God illuminates where we're supposed to go and, and, and the word of God helps us avoid certain pitfalls that are that are just there. And if we, we don't, if we're void of the word of God, then we're going to kind of walk foolishly around and stumble into unnecessary troubles that we don't need to walk into. More truth is observable, observable, excuse me, while the fool walks in utter darkness. Wisdom is more valuable than folly because it brings an understanding that helps us live as those who see rather than living blindly. But here's the thing. Just like good works, right? Obtaining wisdom simply for the sake of merely being wise will leave you empty. <laughs> being wise simply for the fact to say that you're wise or just to have uh, wisdom You see, without a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, wisdom can't give you fellowship. That's what the Lord is after. That's why the Lord can take somebody who's unlearned and unskilled. He could take someone like a fisherman, someone like a tax collector, someone like a prostitute. And he could redeem these people and use these people in such a mighty way because it wasn't their intellect. It wasn't the wisdom that they obtained that allowed them to have access to the Lord. It was the humility and the fellowship that they allowed their lives to have with Christ Jesus. And that's what he's looking for you and me in this day and age. He's looking simply for those who want to have fellowship with him, right? Because he created us with the free will. A will is a very important thing. And I'm not talking about a a deed to things when someone leaves. But your, your will that you were created with, it's very powerful. Uh, the Tower of Babel was created through humans' will. 
man's will and desire to want to reach the heavens. And so they said, you know what? Hey, let's get together. We're going to build this thing. <laughs> you think of, uh, of all the things that, that, that are being created now that are not being, being created to honor and glorify God. That's human ingenuity and the human will. The human will is very powerful. But the Lord's desire is that we would have a will that wants to have fellowship with him, have relationship, be sustained by him and him alone. You see, the other thing with why Solomon had such a, 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 a difficult challenge with this concept of, of the wise and the, and the foolish is because time. You've heard it many, you've heard it many times before, I'm sure. But time is the great equalizer. Both the wise and the foolish will die and for the most part largely be forgotten by the world. That is the reality of what happens in our lifetime. You think of the generations uh, you know, back or the younger generations now. Some, some children or some people, they can't go back four generations. They can't even name who their great-great-grandfather or great-great-grandmother was. They just can't because it's we live in a in a world where everything is just we're, we're always forward, forward, forward. We, we kind of don't take the time as a society, as a culture to really reflect on the past and remember what has gone on and what has been done before us. Hence this 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 concept of when you die by the world standards, many times you're completely forgotten. Again, wisdom never brings ultimate understanding Again, we should not be trying to obtain wisdom as an end in and of itself. Godly wisdom is imparted as a result of you and I spending sweet time in fellowship with God. That's a, it's a, it was a result. It's a byproduct of spending time with the Lord. He imparts this wisdom to you. We gain insight and wisdom when we fellowship with the Lord. But wisdom, as it is, was never meant to fulfill us. Because, again, both the wise and the fool will both die. It is Jesus Christ alone who gives you and I meaning and purpose. That's the first main point. The second is this. What seems more valuable today will be forgotten alongside lesser valuable things. It's, it's, it's a trip because even... I, I, don't, I don't know how... Um, you know, business works in this sense or money works. But, you know, with a brand new car, you could have the nicest, freshest, fully loaded brand new vehicle. And then once you once you drive, I mean, once it goes not even, you know, four inches off of the, the you know, the dealership, it just loses. It depreciates. It's like this thing is still new, but you guys deem it. It just doesn't have the same value. And this is what we're talking about here. You see, in this world. The remembrance of a wise man, it won't be any more than a fool. It won't last. A wise person may be remembered after death for a while. Their fame may continue for a little while and their works may be applauded. But when another person or another genius, someone brighter than them, rises up and outshines them, their fame becomes obscured, neglected, and then despised. You guys know I'm a sports sports guy, so... I, it kind of spoke to me in this way, like performance records, sports performance records. Um, in 2021, Stephen Curry, 
excelled and became the all-time three-point leader. He beat Ray Allen's record of 2,973 uh, points, three-pointers. And at some point in time, if uh, you know the world is around still, someone will eclipse Steph Curry's record. But Steph Curry right now is the all-time three-point leader. Um, a record-breaking for boxing, those of you that like boxing, a record-breaking attendance of 73,126 people sat and watched Canelo Alvarez beat uh, Billy Joe Saunders in Texas. And, and then uh, Canelo became the first ever undisputed middleweight champion in boxing history. At some point, that record's going to be broken, and someone else is going to eclipse that. And for those of you who are football guys or football gals, Tom Brady, he broke Drew Brees' passing record of 70,000 career passing records, and he became the first ever to hit 80,000 passing yards. At some point, if the NFL continues, Tom Brady's records will be shattered by someone else in the future. This is the common course of things under the sun. You see accomplishments being made and then others surpassing those accomplishments. This shows that Solomon was speaking of natural wisdom apart from God and of man's being wise with respect to that. Otherwise, we're speaking about believers, speaking about you and me who've, who've given their lives over to Jesus Christ. Those who are truly good and wise, their memory will be blessed. There is an everlasting remembrance and shall never be forgotten in this world nor in the next. God bless you. But the memory of the wicked shall rot. Those whose names are only written in the dust and not in the Lamb's book of life. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 7 tells us, The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. All right. The third main point is this. Though both the wise and the fool die, the death of the wise yields better results. Learned and unlearned both die. You see, you can be wise, but wisdom that you obtain in this lifetime is still not going to secure you from dying. You'll be a wise man or wise woman that died unless you get raptured. The wise and the fool are reduced to the same condition and circumstances. All a person's learning, knowledge, and wisdom ceases when they die, and they are just as any other person. In that day, all their learned thoughts perish, and they are on the same level with the fool. An example of this is Solomon, the wisest man who ever had lived. He died as others died, and this is proof of his own observation, and the same as his father before him. Psalm chapter 49 verse 10 tells us, for he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. It's funny when I, when, uh, well, the ESV translates it that way, but, you know, my kids, they trip out. They're like, stupid? It's in the Bible? I'm like, yeah, don't be stupid. God tells us. But you see, this is not true of the one that is spiritually wise or wise unto salvation because the death of a righteous man or woman is different from the death of a wicked man or a wicked woman. Both die, but not alike, not in the same manner. The godly man or woman dies in Christ. They die in faith. They have hope in their death and arise to eternal life. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 14 tells us, 
For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And when that time comes for you and me, that'll be us, those who've fallen asleep. I love looking at it that way. You know, when, when, I, when, I, when I go, when the Lord calls me and, and, and I die, it's more or less I'm falling asleep and I'm going to awake and I'm going to be with him in his righteousness and eternity forever. And that's, that, that's why there's such a, that's why there's such a, a pull and a push to, to share our faith with those who don't know. Because these other people, when they die, they don't have that prospect of looking forward to. They know when they die, I mean, they don't, they, they don't know at all. They're just hoping. <laughs> They're hoping that, you know, I, I, I'm good. But we know the Bible doesn't say that. If we die outside of Christ, we're going to be eternally separated from him. All right. Um, we'll just read this portion of scripture again, and then we'll just kind of go through these verses and, and, and see what the Lord has for us. Verse 12, it says, So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly, for what can a man do who comes after the king only what has already been done? Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this is also vanity for of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. You could tell he was intense with this because there's an exclamation point after that word. So he's, he's really, you know, pressing this in. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. Again, there, 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 is, a, there is a certainty about death. There's actually a, a cruelty about it. Remember, we, we were not created to die physically or spiritually. It's all good. Don't worry. But we, you know... We were not created for death. We're eternal beings. And this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have fellowship with the Lord. But, but, but death kind of puts things in perspective for us in a way that we can, we can be sober about our outlook on life. Again, death makes equal the wise and the fool. At least in a physical sense. You're good. You're good. He goes on to say that he turned himself, he thought to himself and considered the three, wisdom, madness, and folly. And for us today, there's a, there, is a, there is a potential of misunderstanding or mishandling of, of what Solomon actually is addressing in this passage um, when, when we read it. That's why, again, we need the Holy Spirit to, to give us revelation so that we can understand what the scripture is actually saying. Because somebody could read that and say, you see, well, there's no point in being wise. Because Solomon said it's just, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. And, but that's completely not what he's saying. Solomon is not saying that wisdom has no value whatsoever. You see, because we know what the Bible says. The Bible says that wisdom flows from Father God and is to be sought after prayerfully. 
James chapter 3 verse 17 tells us, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So clearly, wisdom is not a bad thing. In reality, what Solomon is saying is that while wisdom is far superior to folly, wisdom in and of itself does not satisfy the longing of the human heart. This is why Solomon deemed living wisely as vanity. Pray for wherever they're going. Hopefully those people are okay. In other words, the the attainment, the, the, the receiving, the, the seeking after of anything under the sun, whether it's wisdom or folly, is meaningless and void of purpose or value because it does not change the fact that every person will eventually die one day. The application is this. The true awakening that, that King Solomon experienced came in the revelation that the wisdom he had acquired had no eternal value compared to the foolishness of man. But, but how could this be? How, how, could, how could Solomon come to this conclusion and think that, well, I've obtained all this wisdom and, 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 and it's of equal value compared to the foolishness of man? It's because this. At some point in time, for, for, for some season of time, wisdom became an idol in his heart that, substituted, that he substituted for God. This is why wisdom had, had such a, 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 a not well taste in his mouth. So whether he exhausted himself in all the foolishness of self-indulgence or the attaining of enlightenment through wisdom, he understood that death ultimately awaited him regardless. But here's the key, church. This is why we must do this instead. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8 tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing for your flesh and refreshment for your bones. You see, that's the thing. Instead of seeking and, and, and trying to obtain and, 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 and trying to amass and, 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 and fulfill our, ourselves with, with, with wisdom, the Lord tells us clearly to trust Him with all our hearts. He says, don't lean on your understanding. Because your understanding is going to change. My understanding is feeble and, and I don't get it. And then and when I don't get it, I try, to, I try to figure out a way to understand it. And then I make up my own understanding. And then you have something that's skewed from the truth. He says, just in all your ways, in everything you do, just simply acknowledge him. If you acknowledge that the creator is the creator, that he's your Lord, that he's your God, that he sustains you. He said he's going to make straight every path you need to take in life. And then he goes on to say, don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear God. Have a holy, righteous fear of God. And you'll, you'll be kept in check and you'll be kept away from evil. You won't, be, you won't be falling into all kind of evil things and bad situations. And he says that, that, that the fear of God, your, your holy fear of God, a healthy, holy, righteous fear of God 
will be actually healing for your flesh and refreshment for your bones. That's amazing. But that's what we need to do, church. You see, Solomon goes on and he continues and, and, and his thought process was, what can a man do who succeeds the king? He's already come to the conclusion that, man, wisdom and folly, I mean, they're kind of like the same because, you know, if you don't look at, you know, the world through a perspective of God is the creator, man, you can be the wisest person and you're still going to be left empty. And now, if you're the king, what can I actually do as succeeding the previous one before me? You see, Solomon was speaking of himself as the son of King David. Yet he also spoke of his own successor, uh, his son Rehoboam, in, in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 43. He's, he's speaking of this whole cycle of both. Solomon understood that the new king can only do what has already been done. Even for a king, there's nothing new under the sun. They're going to cycle through, and that's going to be their extent. He goes on to say, wisdom does exceed folly, yet I myself perceive that the same event happens to all. The preacher saw the meaninglessness of even wise living, pleasure, and accomplishment in a life lived under the sun, apart from the knowledge that eternity is real and that God matters. The application is this. This is why you and I today, right? You've been given the miracle of life. Today is a miracle. You've woken up from your sleep. It's a miracle you're alive. Call it for what it is. It's not just you woke up. It's not just what it's. No, it's a miracle that you're breathing right now. So with the miracle of life, this is why you and I must seek the Lord today while he may be found. The Bible gives clear warning about this. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 and 7, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. That tells me there's going to come a time, there's going to come a day where he's not going to be able to be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Man, that's beautiful. That, 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 that's, that, that gives encouragement of for what your, what your task is for the day. That's really your task. That's really my task, is to seek the Lord today while he may be found. Well, you may say, well, how am I supposed to seek him? Well, you're, you're, part, you're partly doing that right now. You came to the house of the Lord. It's no, it's no coincidence. It's not a coinky-dink. You came here because the Lord drew you to his house because... You know, that's that's in the Lord's plan for your life. And through drawing you to himself, he's going to reveal to you the plan for the rest of the day. It's like, okay, well, how can I tangibly put into action the love of Christ in my life? Well, how you treat people when you leave out of here, what you do for them, how you serve them, you know, and, and how you receive them and how you deal with all the different facets of life that you're going to experience the rest of the time you're 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 out of this building today. But since being connected to Father God through Jesus Christ is our only true way to understand our meaning and purpose, we would do ourselves a great favor as saints of God to seek him while he may be found. The book of Amos talks about what happens when people continually reject the Lord. Amos chapter 8 verses 11 through 12 tells us, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, 
but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. Most people think the worst kind of famine is a physical famine, a famine of bread. I mean, there, there are a lot of good causes that provide nourishment and food for people who don't have. And that's a good thing. I'm not saying that those things shouldn't exist, but it's kind of just like the animals, right? And they put those commercials on and you see the poor animal. They got the gunk in the eye they're, They don't got their full coat and they're like, oh, save the animal. And yeah, I get it. You know, we're not supposed to be cruel to animals, but it's like, you know, we're, we're saving animals, but we're killing babies and nobody's caring. Nobody's bad in the eye about babies being aborted, but we're, we're saving whales. Who is it? Uh, the, the owner for the cults paid X amount of money to save some killer whale. It's twenty eight million dollars. It's like, bro, you can't even pay your running back, but you paying twenty twenty eight million dollars to transport this killer whale from one side of the country to another. I mean, it's just we got it backwards, man. And I'm not saying that that whale shouldn't have a life, but come on now. We're dealing with people that are created in the image of God, but yet we're neglecting those people. We're neglecting living souls. That whale is just going to go back to the dirt. He don't have a soul that's going to reach heaven. Not like us. But the worst kind of famine that Amos reminded Israel about in that context, in that book, is, is, is the famine of hearing the word of God. Notice the nature of this famine. It's not a lack of God's word. But it's a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. You see, the word of the Lord goes out. There's no shortage of the word of God. I mean, it's the, it's the number one best-selling book in all of history ever since they've recorded what a bestseller is. It's the widespread bestseller of all time. So there's no shortage of the word of God. But, it, but it, there's a famine of actually hearing what the word of God is saying. You see, the condition described is that of being deaf to the words of God, not able to hear them. And that's why the Bible says today, if you hear the, if you hear the, Lord, the Lord's voice, do not harden your heart. Don't say, I don't want to hear it. You see, we, we, we can't be those that are like, well, I, I'll take this. <laughs> I'll take this reproof from the word of God. But this other reproof right here, it kind of it touches a little too close. It kind of makes me a little too uncomfortable. So I'm going to tune that one out. We're kind of in a place now where, right, it's like people want to hear about the mercy and the grace of God. But a lot of some people don't want to hear that marriage is between a man and a woman. You can't change your sex. You can't be having all kind of sexual partners. You need to be with one man and one woman if you're going to get down like that and you become one flesh. A lot of people don't want to hear that. They're saying, well, you know, that's archaic. That's just that's just old fashioned. Nobody lives like that. We need to be progressive. It's funny. We say progressive, but then. They're actually digressing, but they say they're progressing. It's a, it's a, it's a paradox. It, doesn't, it makes absolutely no sense. It's, it's a conundrum that I can't figure out. I guess that's man's wisdom. <laughs> but you see, this, this condition about not hearing God's word, and it's also not the case of God withholding his revelation. I just, I, like I just mentioned, you know, they, they, did, um, they did a study. I don't know what the exact numbers are, so I'm not going to try to act like I do, but, but you know, they say that, you know, every household in America has so many Bibles on the shelf. So, so there's clearly resources for people to, to have access to the word. 
We've never lived in a day and age where the word of God is not so readily, uh, hasn't been more readily available than right now the time we're living in. I mean, you can go on your smartphone, you know, and, and some people are like, oh, I, you know, for whatever reason, maybe their eyes are not good. And they're like, I can't read. Fine. All you got to do is get somebody to press play for you and the, it'll read to you. It'll narrate the whole. I mean, it won't turn off because I've done it for my mom when she was in the hospital at UCSF. Just put it on and let the Bible read to you. You read to you, you go to sleep. Put that in your subconscious and see how it does a wonder in your life. But, but we have access. But that's not the problem. But the people being in such a state, this is the problem. That they did not see it and they did not hear the words. This was a problem with the hearer, not with the speaker or the preacher. But here's the disclaimer. The preacher's got his own issues. The preacher's not perfect. The preacher may have his own problems, but the hearer as well may have his or her own, and this is what is keeping them from hearing the word of God. This is why we, we have to ask the Lord to humble us. Humble my heart, Father, so I can hear clearly from you. But it, it, this is the thing, church, right? It goes back to, to the will, there is, an, there is a level of effort that you and I have to put in our relationship with God. Now, I know we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith so that nobody may boast. I'm not saying we're saved by that. What I'm saying is there is an expectation that God has on every single one of his children where because it's relationship, because it's communion, because it's fellowship, we got to do our part. Think of a marriage where just the husband did everything and the wife did absolutely nothing. What kind of relationship is that going to be? Somebody's going to be upset. Somebody's going to not be happy. Same thing. Vice versa. Change it. The husband don't do nothing. Playing video games all day. Eating. Don't clean. Don't cook. Don't help. Don't teach the kids. Wife's doing everything. Running around doing chores. Go, doing the cooking. Going shopping. Cleaning the kids. And dude's just sitting on the couch playing video games all day long. That's not a relationship. That's super one-sided. So God's like, I need you to do your part, meaning I need you to have a desire because you recognize what great thing I did for you by giving my only son to save you from sin, to redeem you. Now you have the opportunity to live forever in eternal peace with me. That should be enough to juice you up to where you're like, I got to get to know this God. I got to get to know you. I want to I be, be your bosom buddy. You know, we're going to be homies so close that I'm talking to you more than I talk to my own wife. And that's how we should be. We should be talking to God. That's what praying, that's what praying, uh, you know, praying without ceasing is all about. That's the way, because, you know, so much church, it seems like some, some Christians are looking for this external thing. But God lives on the inside. He's closer to you and me than our very own breath, than our very own heartbeat. But we're constantly looking for experience where God's going to show himself on the outside. I'm not saying look within your own heart. I'm saying the Holy Spirit lives within you, resides in you. So know that every spiritual blessing you'll ever need is already there. You just got to tap into it. And it goes back to this whole thing of identity. Remind yourself of your identity in Christ daily throughout the day. Whenever you get discouraged, wherever, whenever you come up against a situation that's challenging, whenever you start doubting, remind yourself of who you are in Christ and who lives in you. And I guarantee you, you will supernaturally rise above that circumstance and you will walk through it because the Lord is walking first before you through it. Amen. Amen.
You see, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 describes the right way to hear the word of God. And it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, And we always thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, when you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it is really or what it, is, what it really is, excuse me, the Word of God which is at work in you believers. So you see, that's what, I, that's, that's what it's talking about. It's not, it's like, tune me out. <laughs> you know, I wish there was a way where it's like, you don't even have to see me, you just hear my voice, but then let the Lord speak to your heart. I could be like the Wizard of Oz. I could be like that dude behind the curtain. <laughs> but it's like, right? It's like, let the Word speak to you. But sometimes people can't get over the pastor, man. And like they're, they're drawn in by the, the personality. And, and then it's like, you know, they make it about the dude. And it's not about the dude. That's what we go on. And, you know, you look at the lay of the land right now. It's about the dudes or the dudettes, uh, the people that are in Congress, the people that are in the government. It's just like the kings back in the day. It's the Lord. Daniel was talking about it a minute ago. You know, it's the Lord who raises men up. But it's also the Lord who will, you know, get them out of power. <laughs> And, 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 and it's the Lord God Almighty who is the only one who sits on the throne of thrones. It's about him. It's not about the people he's given authority to. That's on them if they abuse that authority. But it's about the Lord. So hear the Lord in it. Hear the Lord's word. It's of the Lord, not of words of men. A question. Today, are you, what are you feeding on? What is your soul feeding on today are you feeding on the word of god are you feeding on the word of god enough you see all we need is the strong meat of god's word we should be hungry for this matthew chapter 4 verse 4 tells us but he answered it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is what sustains you and I. It is the eternal word of Jesus Christ that will edify you, that will glorify him, that will provide for you everything you need, that will give you the nourishment you need spiritually so that you're able to, to conquer every single task, every single challenge that you ever come up against. But you see, a famine of hearing God's word is ultimately worse than a famine of physical bread. But this is the worst thing about that whole scenario and this whole situation. When, when, they, when he goes on to say, they shall wander, <laughs> they, they, they shall wander and seek out the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. You see, church... If we push away God's word for a long enough time, and, and this, is, this is speaking of an unbeliever, right? For we know believers, you're not going to lose your salvation. You're going to go through consequences. You're going to go through a lot of struggles if you do this. You push God away. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be like the children of Israel. You know, it, it should have only took you know, a couple weeks, and it took you 40 years. You're going to go through that. That's not cool, but you're not going to lose your salvation. But this is mainly speaking to unbelievers. But if we push God's word away for a long enough time, we may find ourselves in a place where we shall not find it even if we want to. That's a scary thought. To, to, to do your own thing for so long, and then all of a sudden, later on in life, you want to find him, but yet he's nowhere to be found. 
You see, remember that the ability to hear God's word and benefit by its gifts by, and benefit from the word is a gift from God. It's a gift not to be despised. It's a miracle. It truly is. It's a miracle and such a great blessing if you actually can tune in and your spiritual antennas hone in on what the word of God says and what the Holy Spirit's telling you. And it's like, you know, I can't explain it, but it's something where it's just like, it's so crystal clear. You're like, yeah, you're speaking to my heart. You're speaking to the court. You're speaking to my inner man, my inner woman, my being of beings, who I am really beyond this flesh. You're talking to who I truly am. And when you identify with that, don't despise that. Like a loving father will correct a child. Father God will do so with us when we're off kilter. It's only for our benefit. It may not feel, feel good in the moment, but that correction is meant to get us right. That's that whole thing of everything done, even the bad things, it'll all work out for our good, for those who are found in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus alluded to this principle in the parable of the, the, soils, the soils and the sower. Church, we need, we need to take heed to what we hear. And with the same measure we use, it will be measured to us. And to what we hear or what we allow ourselves to hear, more will be given. I mean, if, if, we, if we tune out to the little bit of God's word, then we're going to get trinkets of blessing. But if we're like, man, I'm trying to soak this up like uh, this is a ribeye steak, you know, all you can eat buffet. And that's how you, you, you approach God's word on a daily basis. Man, you, you're going to be you're going to be walking in sweet fellowship with Lord all the days of your life. For whoever has to him more will be given, but whoever does not have even what he has, it will be taken away from him. We don't want to be those. We don't want to be that person where it's like, man, I only got a little bit. And it's like that little bit got snatched up. It's like, no, I want more, Lord. Uh, use me, fill me overflowing. We talked about this last week. You want your cup to overflow so the overflowing of blessing can be a blessing to other people, then the Lord going to fill you up again. And that's that, that's, that, that's that whole concept of the Holy Spirit being filled every day. Lord, empty me of myself and fill me fresh with the Holy Spirit so that I can just do the basic things <laughs> in the day. You know, I'll just be real. You know, sometimes I could be such a crummy person. Just the basic things. You're like, man, just being a good husband. Just being a good person and communicating properly. Just being a good, a good father to your kids. Without the Holy Spirit, I am none of those. I am a nasty person outside of Christ. I just am. I'm grumpy. I'm complaining. I want to be alone. I want to be a recluse. <laughs> you know, if the Holy Spirit wasn't in me, I wouldn't, be in, I wouldn't be going to Scott's house every Thursday, hanging out with these men, hearing them, listening to them. You know, I've got a patience issue. I'm not patient. But the Holy Spirit develops these kind of things in me, in you, so that it's like, oh, wow, I can be patient. I actually can be concerned about other people. I can get outside of myself in my own little bubble. But it's because of what the Lord does. He's doing that. He's cultivating that work in you and in I. The application is this. When you and I seek God, it actually generally becomes easier to find him. When we seek him, when you're like every day, Lord, draw me to yourself. Draw me close. Because we know the word says, unless God draw a man in, you can't come. Unless he draw a woman in, she can't come. So what do we do? We ask, Lord, draw me in. Draw me closer to you. Help me understand your... And then he's like, okay, this is what you do. You got time? 
or carve out time, get in my word. And then we're like, oh, I'm busy. I got to go to work. I got to go do X, Y, and Z. It's like, you just said, draw me in. And now you had an opportunity to spend time, precious time with the Lord. Just be still before him. And you ducked out to go do something else. You see, so we got to be aware, church. And we got we to gotta take advantage and seize those opportunities where we actually can. Because, you know, I know you guys are busy like I'm. And, and you know, it's, it, sometimes it's very challenging to be still before the Lord and, and carve out that time. That's why me personally, that's why I get up at five in the morning. Because that's the only time I can actually get before the Lord and not have to, and not have to be expending my energies and my efforts other places. I was going to say something bad. I was going to come off bad. <laughs> but, but that's why I get up early. Because I, because I need that time. And then it sets the, tra- tra- the trajectory for my day. It's the irrefutable law of first fruits. You give the Lord the first fruits of your time, I guarantee you the rest of your day, even if all hell breaks loose in your life, you're still going to fare a lot better because you're, you, you're already in the mindset. You know, I can't go halfway and then, you know, do that. It just for me personally, it doesn't work. When we push God away, it, gener- it generally becomes more difficult to hear and receive his word. And he's a gentleman. It's usually he speaks in the stillness, in the calmness of things. It's, it's not, he can be a loud voice, but for the most part, I, I've only heard the Lord's voice loud in my life one time. Every other time, it's always been a soft, still, quiet voice. But if we push him away, we continue to push him away, that still small voice becomes drowned out by the cares of the world and the other voices in our heads and the other voices just in the supernatural world. And then you, you, you start getting foggy and you can't figure out who's, who's saying what. That, uh, so that's why we need to be aware. All of this is to point out that eternity is real and God does matter. You see, if we fail to seek the Lord while he may be found, we run the risk of coming to the conclusion that life is ultimately meaningless and chasing after the wind. This is how this all ties back to what Solomon was talking about originally. No matter how wise one is or not, how much they do or do not accomplish or how much pleasure one has or does not have, the same events happen to all of them. They all die. If one believes that eternity and God does not matter, this is the only possible conclusion, is death. And that's why people say, well, that's why I'm living my best life now, because I have no prospect of eternity. I have no prospect of my soul going anywhere. For all they know, this is it, and they don't know what happens when they die. And then we see this next statement, as it happens to the fool, it also happens to me, and why I was, and why I was, I then am now more wise. If death ends it all, then this life robs us of true meaning. Even the good and great accomplishments of this world are unbelievably temporary and therefore ultimately meaningless. And that's a sad state. That's a sad place to be in where you're like, this is all I have. And then it's all stripped away. We see the statement, the wise man is, he dies just like the fool. Truly, the preacher looked at this and said, this is also vanity. And therefore, he comes to this statement. Therefore, I hate life. I hated life, excuse me, for all his vanity and grasping after the wind. Solomon hated life because it was so meaningless. Life in this translation is more more literally lives. He's speaking of both the lives of the wise, those of, uh, of madness and those of folly. At all of these stages of life, There was nothing worth pursuing. 
and in the lives of those who don't seek after the Lord and don't have a biblical worldview, it's not worth reliving apart from having a genuine relationship with God. This is why the lens that you and I must view life through is so important. And, and the view that we have, it shapes our understanding. Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23 tells us, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, speaking of your spiritual eye, right? The eyes of your heart, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, if the eyes of your heart, if the eyes of your soul are dim, your whole spiritual life, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You see, there, there are certain obvious things which can blind our eyes and distort our vision. I'll, I'll end with this last point. Prejudice can distort our vision. Jealousy can distort our vision. Self-conceit can distort our vision. Greed can distort our vision. Sin definitely distorts our vision. That's actually all those things are sin. Don't let sin diminish the light that Christ has given you. The amount of light which gets in any room depends on the state of the window through which it passes. I mean, we have windows right here. That's an analogy, right? With the blinds are closed, there's not a light coming through. A lot of light coming through. You open up those curtains, there's going to be more natural light peering through those windows. So the light which gets into any individual's heart and soul and being depends on the spiritual state of the eye through which it has to pass. For the eye of the window is to the whole body. That's what you and I should desire. And it only comes from the hand of God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 tells us, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, in Solomon's search for trying to find meaning and purpose in wisdom, accomplishments, and pleasure, he came to realize that the peace of God surpasses it all. Chasing after anything outside of resting and trusting in Father God is simply just chasing after the wind. It's pointless because the best of our understanding of life will never yield the peace of God. And His peace literally guards our hearts and minds in Jesus so that we don't stress out all the time, we don't need to have all the answers. We just need to rest in his peace. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this timely reminder that, Lord, you simply want us to just rest in you. You want us to find our safe haven. You want us to find our home in you. May we make our humble abode in you. May you be the one who fulfills us, who sustains us. You say that goodness and faithfulness are going to follow us all the days of our lives if we've sold out to you. I hold on to that promise. I claim that promise in Jesus' name. And I pray that you would continue to do a mighty work in and through us. May you just be honored and glorified through our lives. Father, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.